Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the first ever edition of the Friends From Work Movie Club. I am your host, Kyle Skonawil, and today I'm going to be flying solo on this movie club. Thank you so much to everyone out there who's been listening to this podcast, and especially thank you to you Friends From Work Plus subscribers who have helped make this possible. This is something we've been waiting for for so freaking long, and I can't wait to do it. This movie club was a fun idea Robbie and I had, and it's going to be evolving, I think, as we do it and as we go. One of the ways I see this evolving is I eventually want to bring you listeners into this live, not just via the comments. I have them pulled up now, which is fun, but I want to make it a club where eventually I can get some video chat going where I can bring you guys in and see your beautiful faces and we can chat about these movies together. And then I have some fun guests lined up as well. And so I think having a guest come on and have them choose a movie will stretch us as far as what movies we're watching, get me out of my comfort zone. And I think it'll be really fun to talk about. I wanted to start with Parasite because it was so different, as you guys know. And I saw Parasite in 2019 when it came out. And I remember walking out of the theater being like, I think that was unbelievable. I couldn't stop thinking about what I had just witnessed for so long. It was one of those movies that bothered me forever and stuck with me. And so I wanted to kind of revisit this movie. I know it's different with how tense it is and that it's international film with subtitles and all that. But I feel like this is a really fun one to start with. So... I'm going to get going here and kind of introduce the film, give you a couple main thoughts, and then I have some questions for anyone who's joining me today about some things they take away from the film. And there's a few, like, reoccurring segments I want to develop. These can obviously grow and change as we get better at this. But certain things, like, we can come back to who won this movie, who lost this movie, what's the most memorable scene, uh, is there a best acting award, how rewatchable is this film, And do you have any bones to pick with this film? But let's get into it. Let's get into the 2019 film Parasite. Parasite was directed by Bong Joon-ho. And now I'm asking for forgiveness ahead of time because I'm obviously not going to do a great job on a ton of these names. And a lot of the names, because they're foreign to me, I'm 
just going to slaughter some of the some of the pronunciation, so I need some forgiveness and some grace on that. But Bong Joon-ho is a little bit of a notable director, not only from this film, but he also directed a movie called Snowpiercer, starring Chris Evans, by the way, um, which I've also seen. It's another class warfare movie. And a movie called Mother, which I have not seen, but is also notable for him. This movie stars a bunch of people. Here we go. Choi Woo-sik as Ki Woo. Young Jung Cho as Park Young Ko Kyo, Park Seo Jun, Park So Jun, Jung Ji So, Lee Sun Kyung, Kung Ho Sung, and Hyung Jun Jung. Now, basically, what I'm going to do to keep this communication a little bit easier on this film is to say there's the Parks, which is their wealthy family, and the Kims, who is the poor family. And it's Jessica and Kevin Kim. And then the Parks, who I'll say like Father Park or Mother Park or whatever. Um, let's start with this. Why is this movie called Parasite? Like, who is the Parasite here? I was thinking about that, and we'll come back to that at the end. But I think it's kind of a genius title. So here's why I love this movie so much. I love that there's so much gray area in this film. Typically a movie that follows the pattern of spiraling downhill for these characters is not my favorite kind of movie, but why does this one stick with me so much? And I think it's because of how beautifully the gray area is portrayed. That's what I'm really passionate about. Typically in these films, they're trying to tell a story where the rich people are all bad and they're clearly made out to be the villain and the poor people are good and they're the oppressed and you're rooting for them. And I think that's how I went into the film thinking it's going to be. But what was so confusing for me and what I loved about it was in this case, the poor family, you love that they love each other and you love that they have a family dynamic, but they do so many bad things along the way. I mean, think about it. The poor family manipulates the entire rich family, the Parks. They literally cost the old housekeeper her life. They cost the old driver, who's a very good driver by all accounts, his job, just so that they could selfishly manipulate the system for them to move up in it. But what's funny is, it's kind of their lack of money and the class that they're in that feels like it's forcing them into those things. But my point is they're not all good. And you kind of start watching the movie, like feeling bad for them. And then you realize like, am I supposed to feel bad for these people? How can I really cheer for them when there's so many bad things they are doing along the way? They start becoming hard to cheer for. Now, on the other hand, the parks, the rich family right when you get introduced to them, you don't dislike them. Like in some ways, the mom, you know, really cares about her kids. And the father still cares about his kids. He works hard and he makes money for them. And the kids aren't total brats. They're pretty nice for the most part. And so you're introduced to the rich family and you're like, wait, this is too bad. They're getting taken advantage of because they're not all that bad. And these movies are typically, like I said, painted where the rich people are that bad. Then where I love the gray area is as you go along, it gets harder and harder to cheer for the Kims. But then you start seeing the cracks in the Parks family as well. You start noticing that 
Well, the rich dad, Mr. Park, is not around very much. He's kind of a workaholic dad. And does he really love his wife? And that bothers Mr. Kim so much that he doesn't really love his wife. They both care for their kids, but how present are they with their kids? They have a housekeeper around. They hire tutors. They hire teachers. They're not that involved. The husband starts talking badly of the other employees. So I just love this idea that you don't even really know who to cheer for. And then in the end, you ultimately don't end up cheering for any of them. It ends up just feeling like an entire situation where everybody lost. But I think every decision they make that leads up to that final climax, that scene, it makes it so worthwhile and it feels so earned because when you get to that climax, all of it makes sense why you have such mixed emotions about this and why Mr. Park is screaming at Mr. Kim to toss the keys and why he's annoyed by the smell and why Mr. Kim would be annoyed that he's annoyed by the smell. And so just like the way that leads up to the climax is unbelievable to me. I agree. I think this movie is called Parasite because the Kims slowly suck the life out of the parks. But what's interesting is about halfway through the film, you have that massive reveal. And we're going to start talking about that scene where you find out that in a way, the old housekeeper and her husband are parasiting off the parks as well. And then that dynamic of them finding out about the new Kim family is unbelievable. Watching the two poor families battle it out for leverage. It's so many layers to that. And I love it so much. So that scene halfway through the whole first half of the movie is them building up to getting these jobs. It's all mostly harmless. They're doing a good job with their jobs. I think that's important. They do manipulate the parks as they go along. And so the parks are kind of getting screwed, but it's mostly lighthearted because it's important to remember that the Kims are doing a good job. Like what's interesting is they are actually tutoring and they are doing a good job as the housekeeper and they are doing a good job as the driver and the art therapist. So even though they are BSing their way up, they're doing a good job. But that scene halfway through is where it all starts crumbling. That's where the movie gets crazy. <laughs> and by the way, chills like crazy. How big are those chills the first time you go down into the bunker basically and you're like what in the world are we getting ourselves into there's so much tension from this scene on it's unbelievable there's tension that the kims are going to get found out dude the entire scene when they're hiding underneath the table and the old housekeeper showing up is just there's so much tension without there even being fighting and then just watching it spiral out of control is, is unbelievable. It's so well done and it's so intense. But that scene halfway through when the family goes camping, I thought there was a couple of really key moments where the daughter of the Kims actually start having a moment when they're kind of drunk on the, in the living room being like, we're kind of the bad guys here. Like we're the ones that are taking advantage of the system and this family that's really only given us a job. Even though again, you're conflicted on cheering for them or not. But yeah, it gets really creepy with that old housekeeper. I remember the first time I saw this, when the old housekeeper showed up, I had no idea where this movie was going. Like, I didn't know if it was about to become a horror film. It never does. But you, you're almost on edge just because you think it could be, and you have no idea why it's so weird. It never actually gets there. But that housekeeper scene is pretty wild. Um, but I love that dynamic. When the housekeeper goes downstairs, and 
you find out this crazy twist that she's keeping her husband alive down there and he's weirdly content to live down there and just live off Mr. Park and has like a weird respect and appreciation for him. But in that moment, when Mrs. Kim goes down there and she has a chance right then and there to show grace to the old housekeeper, like she's received grace from the parks in getting this job. She has a chance right then and there to reciprocate that grace to somebody else. And in that moment when she has a chance, she still doesn't do it. Are you kidding me? And then as soon as her leverage is blown there by the rest of the Kims who are eavesdropping, falling down the stairs, and she takes that video, it's incredible how quickly the old housekeeper's vibe turns. All of a sudden now, they're fighting over this leverage just to who gets to win the park's parasite, basically. And it's incredible to watch. It's really sad. But the whole movie kind of kind of turns there. After the housekeeper goes downstairs, how stressed were you guys during that scene where they're hiding in the living room there? Unbelievable. And how it unravels. I agree, Hayden. The housekeeper's husband does an unbelievable job playing this crazy guy that's got some weird respect for Mr. Park. It's an incredible part of the movie. So we go back upstairs and we find out that the child, Day Sung, I think his name is, has had an incident where the incident ends up being the old housekeeper husband came upstairs and the, the child thought he saw a ghost. But it's important to remember that he has a seizure there and has always been disturbed by that, which is why he's watching for the Morse code and the lights and stuff like that. Another important detail, I think, in that scene where they're hiding under the, the table, the parks start having sex and it's really awkward and they're still kind of drunk and it's just a horrible thing to watch because you're so tense. Um, the smell commentary, right? I think there's little comments like that. Like there's a comment I wrote down where Mr. Park says, people who ride the subway have a special smell. I think it's little comments like that where it's like he's not being outwardly super prejudiced, but it's showing his inner prejudice to these poor people that even though he has provided Mr. Kim with a job and he mostly likes what Mr. Kim does, he always talks about there's that fine line that Mr. Kim's about to cross and Mr. Kim smells. And I think that smell comment is such an incredible foreshadowing for what's coming at the end with the massive smell reveal and the flooding and all of that. But it's about that point where you don't really know, am I supposed to feel that bad for the Kims? Because all of this pain that they're experiencing in that moment where they finally get out of the house and they go to that flood scene, all of that pain is mostly created by their own choices, which makes it so unique. They were the ones that choose to manipulate the system and become a parasite, and yet they were forced into it by a lack of money. And like I've said so many times, the, the Parks are such a gracious family, but they have cracks in their armor where you start seeing, well, how thoughtful are they? The, the gap in their wealth and their thoughtfulness starts becoming so apparent when the Kims are having to go back to their house that's flooded and totally ruined after literally killing the old housekeeper and having the worst night of their lives. And then the very next morning, having the parks wanting to throw a freaking birthday party for a kid who doesn't even remember this stuff. 
That's the most fancy birthday party of all time. And they're wanting the Kims to come be a part of it. That juxtaposition there when they're in the house and it's flooding is so sad. And yet you get that it's not wrong for the parks to throw a party. And yet that scene just bothers me. I agree, Trinity. That's one of my favorite things. There's so much dehumanizing in the tiniest ways. It's never super like bang you over the head with it. It's, 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 it's really subvert in how they show that dehumanizing. You're right. The title itself is dehumanizing. I think it's dehumanizing in the way he talks about the smell of Mr. Kim. Obviously, the most dehumanizing thing is the climax of the movie, which we'll get to in a second. But it's these subtle ways he does it. it it's so subtle in all the building in this story that when you finally get to that climax, to me, it all just works to such a degree because you've earned it along the way. And that's where I think Bong Joon-ho, the director, did such a good job. Lisa says the thing that knocks the Kims down a notch for me is when she finds out about the original housekeeper and is so unsympathetic. Amen. That's kind of the point where you turn on them, where you're like, I'm not really going to feel bad for them. They had a chance to extend the grace and they didn't. And that's brutal. Joey says, also going back to the name Parasite, at the very beginning, the Kim family lets their home get fumigated and they sit in it like parasites. That's so true. And, and by the way, the comedy is done so well. Even with subtitles, it's funny. It's funny at times. It's sad and funny at the same time. It's beautiful in that way. Moving to the climax of this movie. Like I said, all this pain is somewhat created by their own choices. And yet, the absolute genius of that juxtaposition of the homeless shelter they're staying in juxtaposed to the child's birthday party that has a opera singer and a cello player and a tent and tables set up everywhere with a barbecue and everyone's rich and happy. And that's not wrong in and of itself. That's why I love the gray area. That's not wrong. But the juxtaposition of that versus them in the homeless shelter being demanded to come back into work, being demanded to play an Indian in Cowboys and Indians with the child without even really being asked about it, and all the while, those comments of Mr. Kim asking Mr. Park, but you love your wife, right? So that's why this is cool to do this, right? You love your wife. And him never even being willing to say he does really love her. And that bothers Mr. Kim. And the smell comment bothers Mr. Kim. And so the genius of all that buildup, then horribly, everything going wrong with the housekeeper, a shocking twist, by the way, when it seems like the main character, Ki-woo, Kevin, his name is in English, is going to take a turn, I think, where he goes downstairs and finally takes the, the symbolic rock to go kill the freaking housekeeper and, and her husband, which is crazy. He thinks that's how he's going to fix it all. By the way, we got to talk about the symbolism of the rock in a second. Um, and then how that turns. Are you kidding me on that twist? That he falls, gets choked out by the housekeeper's husband who goes crazy because his wife dies is the saddest scene. His wife dies and he's trapped down there. It's brutal to watch as the old housekeeper dies. Brutal to watch. And he can't say anything to her. He can't even say he loves her because his mouth is tied up from the Kims. And then how that twists on Ki-woo when he gets hit in the head with the rock, where you legitimately think he's dead right there. And that like five minutes, are you kidding me? It goes from, wow, this is really not going well to a crazy like, horror film for five minutes and yet it all works it all makes sense to me he goes upstairs he attacks the sister she gets killed in that moment and in the craziness 
Mr. Kim is like, what the heck is going on? Mrs. Kim fights the guy, kills him. And I think there's a couple really subtle things here that I thought were just genius. One, the obvious one is when Mr. Kim in all this horror and trauma looks up and he sees his son, Ki-woo, being carried away, who he presumes is dead. Meanwhile, he's trying to take care of his daughter who's bleeding out. But what's amazing about that is Mr. Park, to his knowledge, doesn't even know that's his daughter. So he feels bad because this girl is dying, but he prioritizes his own son over this girl who is not Mr. Kim's daughter in his mind. But to Mr. Kim, how in the world could you not prioritize the fact that my daughter is bleeding out and dying instantly, whereas your son could probably call an ambulance and make it and be okay? And yet, while that is happening, one of the most key subtle shots in the whole movie is the guy who's been living in the basement the entire time finally gets a chance to see Mr. Park, who is his hero. He's been living off him. He's been parasiting off him this entire time. And in that moment, what does he say? Mr. Park, respect, respect. And two subtle things here. One, Mr. Park says, who are you? Do I know you? In such a demeaning way. Again, dehumanizing. And then two, when he's dying and he's literally dead and Mr. Kim tries to throw him the keys, he is so grossed out by the smell that that's what he's worried about. Like trying to not get dirty in this trauma moment. That subtle shot to me is what puts the whole thing over the top. And that's why that scene becomes believable. It becomes believable that in that moment of absolute horror and trauma, Mr. Kim goes up and stabs him to death. It's an unbelievable scene. It's an unbelievable twist and turn, one that you just don't see coming. And how quickly it all escalates is crazy. And yet, like I've said so many times, it feels really, really, really earned. Let's talk about this rock for a second. Isn't it fascinating the genius storytelling that Kevin is given this rock as a symbol of wealth and success. And all that rock does is lead to all of this, right? They think they're in a good spot by manipulating the system and becoming a parasite to the parks. And yet it all goes wrong. And then in it all going wrong in an effort to fix it, Kevin decides that the best way to go about it is to kill the people that caused the problem. He thinks Again, kind of not taking responsibility for the plan that they did themselves. And he takes the rock to go murder the guy. He ultimately ends up getting murdered by this rock. Well, he doesn't die, but he, he almost gets murdered by this rock that was supposed to bring him wealth and success. And then the symbolism at the end of putting that rock in the water and letting it go. What an absolutely crazy scene. The party... Mr. Kim, the smell, the keys, them yelling, what are you doing at him? Even though his daughter's dying, the crazy guy yelling respect to Mr. Park, Mr. Park, not knowing him, man, you end up just feeling bad for everybody. You really do. <laughs> okay. To the ending. And then I want to ask you guys some questions specifically. I really want to talk to you guys about this from your perspective, but, um, then obviously the ending. Were we supposed to take that that very last shot is just a vision, a dream of what Ki-woo or Kevin hopes he can eventually accomplish? Do you think 
that is just a vision or is that a foreshadowing of what he, he is going to do? I love that they leave that open for interpretation, but I'm thinking that's just him, him visualizing it and he may never actually get to do it. But it's interesting that the director chooses to then still show the entire scene of him hugging his dad and all of that. It's so sad. Did he actually end up going and buying the house or was it just a dream? Kyle says it's a vision. Lisa also says it was a vision. And yes, Hayden, I do love the very intentional choice of placing him back in the basement where it all started. I mean, the genius of him swapping out with the old housekeeper's husband and now him being the one that's forced to live in the basement. And and by the way, it makes sense why he does it. Like that's what's crazy about this too, is that it makes total sense. (laughs) That was the smartest thing for him to do as far as not going to jail for the rest of his life. Um, did the husband, did Mr. Park actually love his wife? I was thinking about that. Is it meant to be just some artificial love that he married her when he was young and she's attractive, but whatever, like he doesn't really love her. It's just a really fine line there because he does do some stuff for her and he does do stuff for his family. But whenever he has a chance to actually show true love to her, he doesn't really do it. And that's one of the most beautiful juxtapositions in the movie. Like if you made a pros list for the Kims and a pros list for the Parks and a cons for both as well, one of the pros for the Kims has to be, although they have nothing financially, they have no house, no cars, no jobs, no money, they do seem to love each other as a family. And the Parks have everything, except their family doesn't seem to really love each other. So here's what I want to ask you guys. Question number one, who won this movie? Who won it? This is a fascinating movie to start with, specifically given this question. This is a question I want to ask after every movie club episode. But with this movie, this is one of the hardest ones for me to answer because I really feel like the genius of this movie is no nobody really wins, right? Like, I can't even think of a funny, clever way. Maybe the dogs won. I don't know. Nobody wins this movie. I would say no characters win. So here's my cop-out answer for this movie. I think Bong Joon-ho, the director, wins this movie. When it comes to who lost this movie, <laughs> to me, Yoon, the original valet driver, is who lost the movie. Kyle's saying that's who won the movie because he wasn't involved. That's true. But think about it. The old driver did literally nothing wrong. He he was an incredible driver, had a great job, and just loses his job, never to be seen again. So in some ways, I guess he wins the movie because he doesn't end up getting killed or being involved in this. <laughs> but in some ways, to me, Yoon is the loser. Poor him. What the heck? What did he ever do? What's the most memorable scene for you guys? For me, like I've been talking about, I think it's that birthday scene at the end. Just how perfectly everything leads up to that five-minute sequence where you understand everybody's motivation in that single shot, in that single crazy moment. You understand why the old housekeeper is out for revenge. He literally just had his wife murdered in front of him. You understand why the old housekeeper has respect for Mr. Park because he's kept him alive in his basement this entire time, unknowingly, but still. You understand why Kevin 
wants to fix the situation that he screwed up because he was the one that kind of put this plan in place. You understand why Mr. Kim is so horrified at Mr. Park and horrified that his family is literally dying in front of him. And this is all unraveling. You understand why Mrs. Kim jumps into action and is fighting off the crazy guy because she was a part of murdering the crazy guy's uh, wife, the housekeeper. So I think in that one moment, it's this unbelievable scene. And that's the scene that sticks with me where everything just comes together and it all makes sense and all works. Okay, Joey says the scene with the family hiding underneath the table is the most memorable scene. That's That's an unbelievable one. That shot of Mr. Park making fun of Mr. Kim's smell and Mr. Kim like doing the thing where he smells himself. Oh, it's so sad. And his and his kids are there to hear that too. And then obviously they start having intercourse while they're under there and it's so uncomfortable. And then they can't figure out when they're going to leave and it's so uncomfortable. That's a great scene. Joey Lett says, when the former housekeeper's husband is peering up the stairs of the kid. Oh, that is a memorable scene because it's horrifying. Absolutely terrifying. When you just see his eyes, by the way, they're so big like this. Uh, and Hayden says the end dream sequence is, is very powerful. Agreed. Agreed. Next question. Who wins the best acting award in this film? I thought this was really interesting because if you guys remember in 2019, when this movie came out, it was up for best picture. It was also up for best picture with once upon a time in Hollywood, which I also watched. Maybe we can get into that some other time. I left parasite and I said that should win best picture to me and best screenplay, but I'm not sure that there was one particular performance that was unbelievably standout. Like, I don't know that anyone from Parasite should be nominated for best actor. And I kind of felt the opposite with Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I left Once Upon a Time in Hollywood going like, I don't think that that should win best picture because there's not much of a plot. I love that movie, by the way. But but I definitely felt like Leo could have won best actor in that movie. So I kind of thought that those should flip-flop. Like Parasite should win Best Picture, but not specifically Best Actor. And Once Upon a Time should win Best Actor. But who's the best actor in this movie? What's the best acting award? And for me, before I see these comments, I think I would give it to Sung Kang Ho, who is Kim, Mr. Kim, Kim Katiek, who's the father. I just think that he does an incredible job portraying the emotions of the circumstances, um, especially that famous memeable shot when he's driving Mrs. Park at the end. And he has that, that look of just like, like just think about his acting from how he's gone from so fired up to have this job as a driver to that scene with the smell as him as a driver. And he's just got the face where he's like totally drained. Unbelievable acting by him. I think somebody says, Mr. Kim, somebody also says, Mr. Kim, another vote for Mr. Kim. Kyle votes for the former housekeeper's husband he did amazing with the limited – yeah, he did do amazing with the limited scenes he has. Plays a crazy guy that you have mixed feelings towards so well. Uh, two questions left. Do you guys feel like this movie will be very rewatchable? Is this a movie you'll come back to? I think so. I think so. These movies for me are always a little harder to be rewatchable because they're so emotionally draining. Like you don't end this movie feeling good, right? you really appreciate the beauty, but it is not an upper. I mean, don't watch it in the morning to set the tone for your day. It is not a movie that makes you feel good. So in that way, it's emotionally taxing. 
So it's not as rewatchable in that way, but I absolutely think this will hold up. This will stand the test of time. I really do think Parasite will be a movie that people look at from this decade. If you guys are curious, I'm not going to go over all this stuff, but if you go through the success of this movie, it's pretty crazy. Parasite not only won four Academy Awards, four awards at the Oscars, best picture, best screenplay, best director, and someone helped me out on something else, but a fourth award. It won international awards. And the crazy thing is it wasn't that known ahead of time, but once it won an award, they call it the Oscar effect. It had like a 240% bump in re-screenings after the Oscars because everyone wanted to go check it out. I wanted to go check it out. So this movie had so much success. I mean, it's, it's, it's trailblazed a lot of things, I think, for South Korean film, and it's been a trailblazer for international films in general getting more recognition. I mean, an international film with subtitles won Best Picture, and I love that. So if you're ever interested in that, go Google Parasite and look up some of the success it's had. My last question I want to end with is, do you guys have any bones to pick with this movie? And again, these are questions that we can kind of add to, subtract from uh, as we go along, but I kind of want some reoccurring segments that we can talk about with each movie we cover, especially when we have new guests. It'd be kind of fun to ask other guests these questions. Uh, Here's my bone to pick. The movie's basically perfect. Did anyone else find it kind of funny? The length of the letter that Mr. Kim writes to his son at the end via Morse code. Have you ever thought about how long it would have taken for him to transpose that Morse code into a letter? He's like, I just wrote this letter to my son. And then he reads it and it's like 20 minutes long, this letter. There's no way he could actually Morse code that entire letter. The whole point of Morse code is to type like three letters, S, O, S. (laughs) The fact that he writes an entire saga is not very believable to me, which is funny. Someone else brought this up. My only other bone to pick is, man, Kevin sure gets hit really hard in the back of the head with a rock (laughs) and bleeds out like an absurd amount. It's hard for me to believe he would survive that. Kevin's got a little Thor in him. Tough to take him down. Any bones to pick for you guys? That's, I mean, that shows you how unbelievable this movie is that my only two bones are, the length of the letter at the end and the fact that Kevin bled so much, I have a hard time believing he could he could survive that. Otherwise, to me, this movie is virtually perfect. What a beautiful, stunning, moving film that is going to do a lot for international films going forward. Trinity has such a good thought here. She says, I see unchecked capitalism and its inevitable class system as the parasite since that's the only real winner given the end sequence, the continued dream of prosperity and its continued distance. What an unbelievable thought, Trinity. Not just Parasite in that the Kims are sucking life out of the parks. Not just Parasite in that the old housekeeper and her husband are living off the parks. But also that capitalism, when you lose the thoughtfulness of other people, when you don't have the grace for other people, when you are unchecked, unchecked capitalism, that can also be the parasite because after going through all of that, isn't it so genius that Kevin's dream is to become rich enough to repeat that cycle again? This is a really crude analogy, and I hesitate to say this because this movie is so much better than The Hunger Games. (laughs) But it's kind of similar to the ending of The Hunger Games, so spoiler alert there, but 
how after everything they went through, when they're sitting at that council and the proposal is, let's do a Hunger Games to the rich people. And you have that moment of, oh my goodness, are they literally going to keep this cycle going? That's kind of what the end of this movie is like, Trinity, where after all of that, the dream is still for Kevin to achieve that kind of wealth and unchecked capitalism. I love that comment. In the end, what a movie. What a movie. Like I've said on the main feed so many times, there are certain movies that just linger with me. They stick. They stick with me. And they bother me for a long time. This was one of those movies. You finish it, and I walked out in the discussion with my friend that I watched it with from the theater to the car years ago was, oh, I mean, come on. It sucks for the Kims. The parks were bad. Then you're like, wait, the parks weren't all bad. The Kims weren't all good. And like in the course of that walk, I changed emotions like a hundred times. Like, dang, that sucks for them. But they kind of did, they did to themselves, but they didn't really do it to themselves because they're, they were so poor. They were forced into it. And that was the genius of the film. The whole drive home, I couldn't stop thinking about it. Then the next day I was like, wait, I couldn't stop thinking about it. And the more I thought about it, the more I watched it, the more I picked up on some new things. Like we're all talking about, even the title Parasite, which at first seemed so misleading because I thought it was going to be some alien movie or something. It all comes together and you start realizing that even the title has layers to it. And it's not what you expect. What a genius movie. One incredible job by the director, Bong Joon-ho. I would really be looking forward to something else he does. I'm going to check it out. If he makes another movie, this movie was good enough. This will be one of my favorite movies of the last 10 years. I mean, it would be on my top 25. Uh, it's good enough that I would be checking out his other movies just to see. So many layers to this. You could talk about this forever. Well, like I said at the beginning of this, this is going to be really fun, I think, for us. This is a great movie to start with because it was so different, I think. I am passionate about a lot of different movies. So, like I said, there's going to be some episodes like this where I pick a movie, I want to talk about it, and I can uh, bounce off some of your comments like this. I hope at some point I can get to a point where I have you guys on via video chat and we can pick a movie together and watch one. I'm always open for recommendations and I'm open for recommendations on what segments and questions to add, because I think there's some fun ones we can come up with. So like, like I said, right now I have who won, who lost most memorable scene, best acting. Is it rewatchable and any bones to pick? But if you guys come up with some more, let's add those in going forward. And then I want to do an episode with Robbie in a movie that he picks. That's not MCU. I have a couple of friends that I'm going to do a movie with here uh, uh, or so. Um, I hesitate to say this because it's not for sure. I'm thinking the next movie I'm going to do with a friend is called Arrival. One of my favorite movies of the last 10 years as well. We've talked about it on the main feed a lot. Um, so that might be the next one. I might do a Christopher Nolan movie. I have so many ideas. Robbie may want to choose a Lord of the Rings movie. There's a lot to do. So I'm excited about that. And then I have a couple of connections in a few realms where I think it'd be really fun to bring some people on, like maybe in the NFL, bring someone on talk about their favorite sports movie, uh, bring in a couple of media personalities to talk about their favorite movies. And I, like I said before, I think this could be, this could range as far as from parasite to national treasure. Like this might be a rival. This might be a comedy. I think where we go with it could be really, really fun. But 
Thank you so much for you guys that are watching this live. Thanks to everyone back at home who's listened to this. And thank you so much to all the Friends From Work Plus subscribers who subscribe and make stuff like this possible. I can't wait to see where this goes. I'll announce our next movie soon, and we'll kind of go from there. But guys, I love you all. Thank you so much for doing this, and uh, we'll see you next time on the Friends From Work Plus Movie Club. Movie Club.